Welcome to the Citizens Deep Dive. It's a podcast for our church family in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we take a closer look at a variety of topics. I'm Stephen, here with Tim, and this week we're talking about Lent. Let's go. So, Tim, this may be new for a lot of our church family, but this podcast is not necessarily new. It's actually a reboot of sorts. Why are we doing this? What's happening? Yeah. So, Citizens Deep Dive, name pending. Send in all your, you have gone over so many names. So, we're open. So, send us in your your recommendations. Uh, But we had a midweek podcast that we used to call the Citizens Midweek for quite a while in like late 2021, early 2022. Mm -hmm. And it started originally as just a sermon deep dive kind of podcast. And so what we would do is we would sit down and we would talk about things that didn't make it into the sermon, things that were good and helpful, you know, certain passages of scripture or different arguments about certain theological points, things that were really good, but for whatever reason, just don't fit into the flow of a 35 minute sermon, uh, lest we go an hour, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we had that podcast for a while and it was good. And for a whole variety of reasons, we just couldn't keep up with it. And so we shut it down for a while and then really sensed going into uh, 2024 that we were just having a lot of conversations around how can we continue to further resource our people Mm -hmm. in our mission to help people follow Jesus. And so uh, the idea of doing a podcast popped back up again. And so really it's kind of, we're bringing back part of you know, deep diving back into sermons and what doesn't make it on Sundays. But also part of what we're doing is a whole host of other deep dives into topics. So talking about different aspects of theological uh, ideas and doctrines and spiritual formation and church history. And we're going to hopefully bring on some of our church members and interview them about their own stories. Just lots of opportunities to kind of create another pathway for formation, which I think is super important right now. Mm. Uh, We've had a lot of conversations recently about just how much information we take in on a daily basis basis. I was uh, looking at some stats recently. They did a study uh, about five years ago that found that the average American adult consumes 100,000 words of information every single day. Social media, TV, work emails, uh, billboards, you name it. And so much of that because of the enemies, the world, the flesh and the devil are not forming us into the image of Jesus. And so we just want to kind of push back on that and create another resource to get into the hands of our people that hopefully the Holy Spirit will use to help us be more like Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Not as uh, a thing that is now expected that everyone in our church family is listening to this, but it is a way that they can continue to step into healthy formation instead of the counter formation of every other thing that we choose to intake throughout the week, I guess. Yeah. And that's so much of our heart with all of our resources, right? With the Institute, with uh, community groups, with the practice guides like we have coming up for Lent, all Mm -hmm. of these different things. The goal is to, uh, my personal goal with so much of my job as pastor of teaching and formation is that no one in our church can be able to say, the reason why I'm not stepping into this is because I don't have the resources. Mm -hmm. If I can just take at least that out of the equation, there's so many other reasons, right? Factors of busyness and life and sin and all these different struggles. But at least to be able to say, no one's not stepping into whatever that thing is because they're not resourced or equipped to be able to at least begin the journey towards it. That's really our goal when we think about formation and resourcing. Absolutely. So uh, for our our first uh, episode, bringing this podcast back, we're talking about Lent and we're entering into the Lent season. So um, can you just talk a little bit about what Lent is? 
Yeah, so Lent kicks off this Wednesday, February 14th. And to understand the season of Lent, which I think might be new to some folks, maybe maybe not to others, depending on your church tradition. But to understand Lent, you have to understand a bit of its history. So most uh, historical theologians point to an origin of Lent sometime around 100 AD, which if you know anything about church history, that date and that era makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. 100 AD is sort of when we're getting out of the age of the apostles, these kind of first followers of Jesus that walked with him on earth. And so they're coming out of that kind of oral tradition and experiential tradition. And at that time, a lot of the church leaders were like, hey, we should start writing some stuff down. <laughs> like we should start really thinking about this stuff and formulating how we worship and taking you know our doctrines and all of that. Uh, around 100 AD is when you have the writing of something known as the Didache, which has a huge role in church history. It, uh, it's a translation that means the apostles teaching. It's sort of a first century guide to life in the local church. And so you've got that going on. You also have the first kind of rumblings of this season of Lent. And Lent begins in the life of the church as a means of preparation for baptism. So it was it was no easy thing to join the church in the first century. People think we have a long membership process as citizens because we have like a three-hour class, <laughs> sit down with a pastor, public induction and welcome. Child's play. Child's play compared to first century Christians. <laughs> yes. So if you uh, wanted to join the church and wanted to become a Christian, which was one in the same mm-hmm. uh, in this time period, you, it was anywhere between a one-year to three-year process. Now, I don't know who decided if it was one year or three-year if it was like based on the church, you know, or like how, you know, how tough the leaders were, who knows what, but somewhere between one to three years, depending on what context you were in. And you would be trained over the course of those years in two ways, a formal class where you were taught the doctrines of the church via what's known as the Apostles' Creed, Mm -hmm. an ancient confession of the faith, and then one-on-one mentorship where you would be guided along in how to live out the doctrines of the faith by an older more mature believer. And that process one to three years would culminate in the season of Lent. Lent was a 40 day period set aside leading up to Easter Sunday. And on Easter Sunday, new converts to the faith and new people joining the church would be baptized Mm -hmm. as well as those who were excommunicated because of church discipline would be brought back in based on signs of repentance. And so it's 40 days uh, reflecting the 40 days of Jesus fasting in the wilderness, Matthew chapter four. Mm -hmm. And it's a time really more than anything else as it began and as it still is today, a time of preparation, consecration and affirmation that this person is in Christ. And it's that final kind of setting them aside, leading into the waters of baptism. So it's a chance for us to reflect on our lives, to think about the gravity of sin, to mimic the life of Jesus, 40 days fasting in the wilderness, and to prepare our hearts to celebrate Easter Sunday. Yeah. That's really encouraging to hear because I know that for me, it can be easy as Lent, just going through the motions. And I grew up in a church context where Lent was at least a thing that the extremists did, you know, but it wasn't even necessarily a thing that everyone was doing. But even then, it's just always viewed as a thing. It's like, yeah, this is the period where we don't do something. And so it's nice that it's like, oh, no, we're actually intentionally doing things if our heart is in the right place. There is this intentional, like you said, the preparation, the consecration, the affirmation, like we are we are taking away so that we can then do so much more and like prepare for so much more. And so that's really encouraging. But, um, so that's some of the history. What did practically, what were people doing throughout this season of Lent? 
Well, this season historically has been marked by fasting. Kind of like the main point of Lent is fasting. Obviously, there's prayer involved, scripture involved, uh, some church rhythms involved, like Palm Sunday and Monday Thursday and things. But the number one practice behind Lent was fasting, which is obviously a direct connection to Jesus fasting in the wilderness during his 40 days before being tempted by the devil. Mm -hmm. But the goal of the fasting was as a means of, in the words of one church father, quote, purifying the soul before entering into the waters of baptism. So let me explain. Fasting, which according to the scriptures, is the intentional abstaining from food and non-water drink for a set period of time for spiritual purposes. So real quick sidebar, what we often think of fasting today, the scriptures would put more in the category of abstaining. So we talk about like I'm fasting from social media or I'm fasting from TV or I'm fasting from, uh, you know, work email off the, whatever the case would be, mm-hmm. those, the Bible is, are good. Those are good practices. The yeah. Bible would label those as abstaining. Mm-hmm. Fasting in the scriptures always has to do with food. Mm-hmm. Always has to do with setting aside food or particular types of food for spiritual purposes. And so really the goal behind fasting more than anything else is to remember that we are embodied creatures. And then as we fast, as we set aside this time to refrain from food, we let the Holy Spirit do all of this means of purification. So if you've asked anybody or talked to anybody who's fasted before, um, often fasting makes you more ugly <laughs> before it makes you more holy. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, the, the age, old, age old adage of like you get hangry, right? It's like yeah. if you've ever tried to fast for any set period of time, you tend to be be more grumpy and, you know, quote unquote, less spiritual. Right. It doesn't feel very holy. It right. feels more like I'm just grumpy and mad and distracted and I have a headache and I'm annoyed. Right. Right. And part of the good of that is that fasting is a time to realize how dependent we are on the things of this earth and to let the Holy Spirit use what is revealed and coming out of us in those times of hunger to show us how we still need more of the sanctifying work of Christ in our lives. And so when that church father says, you know, fasting is a means of purifying the soul, what he means there is it has a means of sanctifying us maybe more than any other discipline because it shows us who we really are and who, how far we still have to go to be more like Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Thinking of sanctification is less about all the things that we are doing to then become Christ-like, but more how many things we are surrendering about our own brokenness and need for Jesus and then letting the Spirit do the work. And fasting is a huge piece of that because I know I can fall into this false belief and I've heard a lot of people express this before of like, oh, I'm not doing fasting right mm. because I was supposed to, I'm air quoting a lot right now. You can't see that. This is an audio medium, but oh, audio only. yeah, I'm air quoting a lot right now. I'm supposed to be praying anytime that I feel hungry right now or thinking about how good God is in the midst of me not getting the food that I wanted. But then I quote unquote failed fasting because I was just mad and snippy and impatient and in you know, headache the whole day, like you're saying and stuff like that. But that's actually a sign that we're, if, if you can do fasting, right, that's almost better because you, it is revealing how much you need Jesus and how incapable of being, you create the illusion of like, I'm pretty good because I'm giving myself all the things I want right now. But the moment that I don't have instant gratification, how unchristlike do I become? That's actually the bigger gift because now I see, Oh, I really do need Jesus because without the control and the comfort that I normally have in my day to day, I turn into a little monster. I'm a little gremlin all of a sudden. So, which was something that the early church fathers had so much more of a category for in their life with God than we do today. Mm. Chosen suffering, like willingly 
putting themselves in places of suffering in order to be refined and shaped and sharpened more into the image of Jesus. Uh, one of the things you, you notice a lot if you read anybody from like 100 AD to 4 or 500 AD is Christians in that time period were obsessed with not getting too comfortable. Like they just wrote so much and talked so much and preached so much and uh, wrote songs all about how afraid they were of the comforts of this world hmm. and how fasting was this gift to sh to kind of force some chosen suffering upon them yeah. to continue to mold them into the image of Jesus. I think about a quote we've said a couple times around here um, from Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that says, you know, everybody thinks they love their neighbor until their neighbor's in the room, right? Hmm. Like it's so much easier to be holy in our minds yeah. than it is in the lived reality of our lives. And I think fasting has a way of exposing that. Absolutely. Uh, it's very easy to be holy until your immediate, tangible, physical needs aren't met. And then the real you starts coming out, right? Fasting doesn't make you impatient. You're already impatient. I'm already impatient. Fasting is just bringing that out, hopefully, Lord willing, so that the spirit can work on it and can work on me in those moments of vulnerability and humility. Yeah. Uh, I had a um, mentor of mine before I was getting into pastoral ministry that used to always say uh, one of the most important practices for pastors is fasting because one of the most important practices you can have to fight against spiritual pride hmm. is telling yourself no and yeah. seeing what happens, Yeah, which I think is really helpful for all of us in the day and age that all of us, I think, struggle with pride in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So how do we how do we do that now, practically? What is our church doing, and how are we as a church body, as a church family, stepping into that, saying no, and in, inviting the real us, maybe, to come to the forefront during Lent? Yeah, so we as a church have always valued the church calendar, always valued stepping into these rhythmic, seasonal, annual practices that the gr broader global and historic church step into, including Lent. And so Lent in modern times, you know, it's changed some and it's shifted some from what they used to do in terms of preparing people for baptism. But the heart of it has really been the same. And really, that is kind of three things. Uh, one is remembering our sin. Second is remembering the suffering of our Savior. And then third, as we've been talking about with sanctification, is remembering our need for Christ. Mm -hmm. And the whole goal is to get to Easter Sunday and for Easter Sunday to be the most beautiful celebration of the resurrection of Jesus we've ever experienced. Yeah. Think about that famous quote from Thomas Watson, until sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Mm -hmm. But the more bitter and, and grotesque and ugly our sin becomes to us, and the more we're able to see it, then the more beautiful the forgiveness and salvation that Christ offers freely through his blood comes to us. And so Easter Sunday is coming. It's Resurrection Sunday is coming. We want that day to be so beautiful and it grows more beautiful as our sin grows more dark. Mm -hmm. And so the whole goal of Lent is in our fasting and our setting this time aside to remember our sin and what it costs our Savior. We're trying to ask the Holy Spirit and create space for the Holy Spirit to make our sin more ugly to us. Mm -hmm. So when we get to Resurrection Sunday, we are desperately ready to celebrate what Christ has done on our behalf, rising from the dead, defeating Satan, sin, and death. And so during Lent, what we do as a, as a church community is we invite everybody to fast in some way, shape, or form. We've got a ton of resources available for this. Um, our spiritual practices webpage is rhythmsandformation.com, rhythmsandformation.com. There's resources on fasting. And so we invite everybody to fast in some way, shape, or form during the course of Lent on Monday through Saturday. So some version of a 24-hour fast for some people, you know, Thursday dinner to Friday dinner. Others I know because of a number of different reasons are choosing to more fast for certain types of food. So maybe they do like only juice one day or only certain types of food one day, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then on 
each Sunday we don't fast. It's never been church tradition to fast. Um, but because every Sunday is a resurrection Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Every Sunday we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And so we set that time aside to fast. And then we also, as a church have started this new tradition last year of focusing in on one particular spiritual practice. So last week we, or last year we did prayer. We did the whole series, teach us to pray where we walk through the Lord's prayer and spent Lent doing, you know, three times a day prayer and trying to really lean into that practice as a community. Mm-hmm. This year, we're leaning into the practice of mission or evangelism, sharing the gospel, whatever you want to call it. And the goal of that more than anything else is to say, okay, as we're fasting as a community, let's also lean into these proactive practices that help shape us more into the image of Christ. And so we are going to preach on it on Sundays. We've got a whole practice guide folks can pick up on uh, Sundays at the gathering to kind of walk us through this season of leaning into um, spiritual formation and pursuing the Lord together, both through fasting, but then also through the practice of living on mission. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I know that the, the weekly kind of fasts during Lent have always been a really good and challenging. And it's interesting to see, um, yeah, which ones you're always kind of couching. This is kind of difficult, but it's not actually painful to do almost, you know, and, and how it's like, oh yeah, I can take away no TV this week. Like that'll be inconvenient and I'll have to catch up on some shows, but there's almost still a lot of control at work there. And it's funny to see that the games we play and the kind of self-negotiating we do of like, I'll give up this thing because, uh, you know, I get to talk about it a little bit and kind of like offhand be like, well, I'm fasting from, from screen time. So, and then feel a little holier in circles, you know, but it's Mm -hmm. like challenging to really find the things that, Oh, I'll be a, I'll be a more unpleasant person without this. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, caffeine, I think has been the consistent thing where like, uh, honestly, like I, I, recognizing that fasting in a biblical perspective is very much abstaining from food. But also when I don't have caffeine, Mm. I am so much more unpleasant than I can, I can go a day and not eat. Like Mm. I'm hungry, but the hangry Steven takes a little bit longer to come out. I think Mm. Steven without caffeine is pretty unpleasant by midday. You know, if I haven't had my two cups of coffee that I get before noon, then it's like, Oh yeah, the headaches, the headaches very much there. I'm very impatient. If I'm in the car, the road rage is flying. Um, and so it's interesting to see. And then like you, you say, all right, well, I fasted from caffeine for that one week. And so now I never have to do that again. Like I learned my lesson. Let's <laughs> never try it again. And so um, I'm very grateful for the, for Lent being a built in part of the calendar. We keep returning to taking away these, these uh, pacifiers almost that we have um, to uh, see how much of us still needs the work of the spirit. And then you don't fast on Sunday, so you just are like jacked up. That's right. On and all then I'm the just like, yeah, get the Trenta, go to Starbucks, and then just like dump my barrel <laughs> of coffee. Of That's right. And bathe in it. Yeah. And I think one of the beautiful things about the church calendar that I have come to love is that we are joining Christians across the globe in mm-hmm. doing this, right? So I had a conversation with a friend of mine. Uh, who lives in Texas and he's gearing up for Lent. And so we were talking about like, what are you fasting from? What am I fat? Like, here's this guy following Jesus in, you know, the suburbs of Dallas, Texas, and Mm -hmm. he's preparing his heart to fast. And there's something beautiful as a reminder there of like, we don't do this alone. Like the Christian life is not one that's meant to be lived alone, nor is one that can be lived alone. And so Mm -hmm. we get to join the broader global church, but then we also get to lock arms with our church family. And so one of the things I always encourage folks to do is to consider fasting with their communities Mm -hmm. to say, okay, we, you know, we meet as a community group on Wednesday nights. What would it look like for us during these six weeks of Lent to all fast in some way, shape or form during the day on Wednesday, and then break that fast together Wednesday night as a, a means of like, 
together pursuing the Lord. I think there's always more power in everything we do in life, but especially in spiritual formation when we do it together uh, and recognizing that we're a part of something much bigger than ourselves. Yeah. And one of the things that we're doing together as a church is Ash Wednesday. So what is Ash Wednesday? Why are we doing it? What does that look like? Yeah, Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday, uh, and it kicks Ooh. off Lent. It's the day that kind of kicks off this whole season of fasting and remembering our sin. And Ash Wednesday is another one of those forced times in the church calendar to do something we don't like to do at all as modern Americans, which is think about death. Hmm. You know, our culture is built to prolong death, distract ourselves from death, avoid death, ignore death. And Ash Wednesday is this marked day in the church calendar to remind us very simply, we're going to die. Yeah. Uh, even the very idea of Ash Wednesday, right? It comes from this, this promise in scripture that God says to Adam in Genesis chapter three, because of the reality of sin, you are dust and to dust you shall return. Mm -hmm. Now we know because of the resurrection of Jesus, all who trust in Christ will be post death, you know, risen to new life, right? Mm -hmm. Made into like given new bodies, life forever, flourishing with God. And we also know a reality of this world is that we, because we live under Adam, as Romans tells us, will die. Mm -hmm. And so Ash Wednesday is this chance to remember life is frail and it's temporary and it's short and we come from Ash and to Ash we will return. And so today set aside to just remember that heading into the Lent season. So what we do for it is we do two services this year, 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. They're completely identical. You can choose one or the other. They last about 45 minutes. And this is probably, not probably, this is the most high church, uh, liturgical, formal thing we do all year. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is we actually, most of what we're going to do in the service is not original to us. It goes back to all sorts of pre-written prayers and liturgies from the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. It's the most traditional historic thing we do where we're going to spend time singing. We're going to spend time in silent prayer. Mm -hmm. We're going to spend time reading these um, words of confession of sin that Christians have said across the globe for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to do a traditional imposition of ashes. We're going to come forward and we're going to mark, have our foreheads marked with the sign of a cross. And we're going to remember together that we come from dust and we're returning to dust as a way of remembering our frailty and our sin and what our sin costs Jesus, all with the invitation to be formed more and more into the likeness of Christ. We need moments of beauty like this, where we set our hearts aside and stare death in the face and remember we live for eternity. We don't live for right now. Mm -hmm. And so it's a beautiful time. It's a difficult time. I made this joke a few Sundays ago, but I think it's true. It's not fun. <laughs> and that's because it's not meant to be. Yeah. And there's a lot in the Christian life that is meant to be fun. This is not one of those things. It's meant to be deeply formative and it mm -hmm. will be deeply formative for those who lean in together to do it. And it, it's good for us. And that is what makes it worthwhile. Absolutely. And so we're leaning in together. We're, you know, all of our Wednesday community groups, we have told to cancel their groups so that they can make Ash Wednesday a priority. We've invited our Tuesday and Thursday groups to do the same, to really kind of center that day and put it aside as a church family. Um, even though it's Valentine's Day, even though it's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, in the middle of the week, even though 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. may not be the most convenient times, even though we're not offering childcare and you might have to drag your kids along, it's going to be worth it. And I think the Holy Spirit will use it in a deeply formative way. Yeah. Yep. It's worth the, uh, I, a couple years ago, I had the, went to the 7am Ash Wednesday service and then went to the grocery store where the man insisted that I had a smudge I was not aware of. Uh, no matter how many, I was like, no, I know. 
Like, no, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. And then finally his supervisor was like, it's on purpose. You have to stop. You have to stop. But yeah, no, that's great. And I think it is, it's in some areas, it's easy to recognize this reality, but in oftentimes I think the realm of like spiritual disciplines and formation and following Jesus, it's, it's easy to forget that hard things are not bad things, you know, and hard things are actually very good things. A lot of the times when it comes to formation and, and Lent is a, a very hard thing. Uh, Ash Wednesday as it itself is like superficially difficult and like everyone's looking at my forehead for the rest of the day. Oh no. Unless you go at seven, I guess. But like the period of Lent is difficult. And I, I, I think I want to just re like emphasize the encouragement to anyone out there who feels like when I fasted in the past, I was just mad all day. And then you, you leave feeling really almost disillusioned by it. You know, I was like, what was that? What did that gain? What did we learn here? You know, I just had a bad day this week now and, and not to dismiss or to throw away like, yeah, like I'm not thrilled when people have bad days, but also that's such a gift because again, it's the, it's oftentimes in the bad days where we, we kind of break the illusion we have about ourselves and how good we are and how successful we are, how blank we are when those defects of character, when those, um, when the version of us that is deprived from immediate satisfaction comes forth, uh, that is the person that Jesus wants to change. And that mm -hmm. is the person that uh, God sent his son to die for. That is the person that the spirit is at work inside of. And so it's just a good reminder that the, the hard things often bring out um, the parts of us that need Jesus most. And that is a gift. That's not a, a, a source of shame or embarrassment or exasperation. Yeah. And I think, just an encouragement to come to Ash Wednesday as well is you also not only get to remember that you are going to die, you also are forced to remember that those you love are also going to die. Yeah. Um, I've shared about this before, but I have a weird, some people call it sick and twisted. I think it's helpful mm -hmm. um, habit of a couple times a month. I get to a cemetery in uptown. It's one of my favorite old cemeteries. There's a tree there that commemorates a visit from George Washington to the city of Charlotte, which I think is just wow. incredible. Um, but there's all these graves there from uh, none as recently as like the early 1900s. They're all like older, a couple hundred year old graves. And it's so helpful for me just to spend, you know, 30 minutes, an hour walking around that cemetery, remembering the, the fact that these people lived meaningful lives, you know, a lot of them probably good lives. Like they're in this prominent cemetery in Uptown, but it's a reminder that life is temporary and short. Mm -hmm. And so I remember that from my own life, but man, there's nothing like, uh, especially in my position as a pastor, having to put ashes on the forehead of my wife mm -hmm. and remember like she is going to die yeah. to put ashes on the forehead of our church family and to remember these people that I love and care about so deeply are going to die. Right. Like we even thought about this year. This is going to be like a, you know, really interesting. It's not a morbid thought. It's just a reality of Ash Wednesday is like, you know, Lindsay's bringing our girls this year and we've talked about like, you know, are we going to bring Harper our almost four year old up front? <laughs> Am I going to mark her ashes and remember her, like remind her your dust into dusty shall return. And there's, uh, you know, obviously all the emotions that come with that, but there's a sober reminder, even for me in the throes of life and the throes of parenting that she's going to die and we're parenting for eternity. We're not parenting for the right now. And so even as we, it was like, okay, why can I just, you know, sit at home and think about my death? Because there's something powerful to being with these people that you love, that your church family with seeing them be marked by ashes and remembering the temporality of life that I think the Holy spirit can use in such a formative way to remind us in this season, this is very much not even close to all there is. Yeah. 
and remind us seek first the kingdom of God. Yeah. Uh, and so there's there's a there's a, a difficulty to it, a soberness to it, but a, a beauty to it if we're willing to lean in. Yeah. Absolutely. And Tim and Garrison are here to answer any questions or hangups or confusion that anyone has around Lynn as we step into that or any hesitations. So if anyone does have, have questions or roadblocks that they feel are, are keeping them from being able to fully participate in, whether it's Ash Wednesday or the Lent season, please please talk to one of our pastors. They're, they're here for you. We're excited to step into uh, this season together. So hope to see you all at Ash Wednesday and at a Sunday in the future. But until then, grace and peace.